Hi, my name is Cliff Freeman and welcome to the second season of PhD Tips. Similar to last season, we will hear a variety of PhD tips from real life doctoral students who will eventually defend a dissertation at the end of their academic journey. In addition to current PhD students, we will invite individuals who are in the application phase, postdocs, and PhDs in the field to share some of their insights. If you've been following the ride, thank you for returning. If you're new, welcome to PhD Tips. Dr. Khadija Boyd, born in Utica, New York, served on active duty from July 2000 to September 2019 as a 92Y unit supply specialist. With two deployments to Afghanistan, she retired as a staff sergeant, with her highest military award being the Joint Service Commendation. While on active duty, she obtained her Bachelor's of Science in Business Management and an MBA from the University of Phoenix. Post-military, Dr. Boyd obtained her PhD in Organizational Leadership from North Central University. During her educational journey, she was inducted into several honor societies, Delta, Mu Delta, and Alpha Sigma Phi. She also started her small business, Full Spectrum Leadership, LLC. Full Spectrum specializes in training, education, and coaching. Dr. Boyd has been very active in contributing to academic literature and has recently published two scholarly articles for the academic journal, The Vermont Connection, titled The Surface Act, Exercising Emotional Intelligence as a Filter of Racial Awareness as a Means of Survival at PWIs, and Put Them in the Boots, Anti-Blackness in Military Higher Education at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Please help me in welcoming Dr. Khadija Boyd. Okay, and we are live, not live, but we are recording. Um, so today we have a special guest, Dr. Khadija Boyd. Um, she found uh, the podcast on a very cool Facebook group called uh, Finished. It's PhD Finished. Get it? It's a joke. Um, but Every time someone, you know, uh, signals that they want to share some tips on the podcast, you know, my heart is really warm. So thank you, uh, Dr. Boyd, for actually, you know, sharing some of your tips. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Dope. Um, so like, so this is, the, so you're the first episode of season two, um, which is a big deal for um, for me, at least, because um, the, the natural season schedule is as I move up a year in my own PhD program. And every episode, I, I tell you, every episode, I know for me, at least, I use some of the tips that um, people uh, share. And yeah, there goes my Amazon talking. <laughs> <laughs> Let me turn that down. Um, so, yeah, so... I, I would just want to thank you for coming. And um, also, I know you're going to share some really, really um, good tips because you have a really nice story. Um, so thank you again. Yeah. Um, so uh, so introduce yourself. So who are you? Um, let the listeners know who you are, um, where you work. Um, you're a doctor, so you already finished school. Um, tell us where you went to school. Just share us a little about, about yourself. 
Okay, yeah, again, Dr. Khadija Boyd. I was uh, born in uh, Utica, New York. Um, I'm currently the CEO and founder of my own consulting firm, a Full Spectrum Leadership LLC, where I offer training and education to increase organizational capacity within your organization. Um, I'm retired from active duty. I spent uh, from July 2000 to September 2009 as a 92 Yankee unit supply specialist, you know, did the whole deployment thing to Afghanistan. uh, just while I was on active duty, you know, I obtained, you know, my uh, bachelor of science in business management and my MBA from the University of Phoenix because it was the easier route for me to do while I was on active duty. Mm-hmm. I wasn't uh, privileged enough to go to a traditional brick and mortar because, you know, I did join the army before 9-11 and mm-hmm. the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan kind of took that opportunity away from me. Um, but I was still able to be successful on my educational journey. Um, Post-military, I obtained my PhD from uh, North Central University in organizational leadership, Um, was inducted into two honor societies, Delta Mu Delta, Alpha Sigma Phi for academic excellence, and that's that's about it. I'm married, I have a dog, and I'm currently (laughs) retired in Virginia. Don't yeah. When when we were emailing, you sent me uh yeah, let's try for you know, you said thirteen thirteen thirty, yeah. Yeah, thirteen thirty. I was like, oh, this is for real. (laughs) She's from the art. Like she she served. And I I I spent more time in the army than I did in school. You know, (laughs) it's it's majority of my life is being a, a soldier. Mm. Yeah, thanks for your service. Memorial Day just passed, and I I don't actually know. Well, I have one friend that I know. I don't know what um level of military he's part of, but he's the only person I know that has something to do with armed forces. So, thanks for your service. I know you you got all, all the praise on Memorial Day. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm. We'll probably connect after this song because I'm so you know, intrigued about, uh, you know, the, the, how you did school while you were, um, you know, after being in the, you know, military for some time, um, and the, you know, the, I don't know if, if you would call it a transition, um, because, you know, I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, uh, so the, the next, the next question I, I really want to ask is, so, being, you know, in at the end of uh, people's PhDs, they, you know, defend their dissertation. And mm-hmm. I learned um, uh, last season that asking uh, a person with a PhD to um, speak about their PhD, their dissertation, at uh-huh. least, um, is either a good thing or it can turn into something that you <laughs> will become talking about forever. And I'm not going to cut you off i am not gonna cut you off you want to talk you can talk but so i so i i I, uh say this question by asking can you give us an executive summary (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and you know it was honestly for me I, i know we'll probably get into that a little bit later i have no problem discussing my dissertation because i there was a huge gap where I, you know, found my research and it was easier for me because 
at first I didn't want to focus on the military or the army, but I found Mm. out that it was the easiest thing for me to write about because I was more familiar with it than anything else. So I found a gap there. Um, So my dissertation was about the lack of emotional intelligence in military leaders. Uh, I had found several articles, only like a handful, less than 10 about how uh, military leaders lacked emotional intelligence and how it is was impacting the hierarchical structure of uh, the Department of Defense across the board. But I narrowed my scope uh, to Army leaders. It was phenomenological, about lived experiences, about interpersonal competency-based approach to EQ, uh, emotional intelligence, and its impact on the performance at the Army Logistics University. I used the uh, Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence theoretical framework as a the guiding theoretical framework and a constructivist worldview, uh, worldview approach to gain insight into these leaders' uh, daily daily approaches in how they enact their leadership. And it, it was very interesting that my um, divergent results were more interesting than the results itself. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and what I got, what I collected, the data that I collected from eight participants was essentially that black leaders at the Army Logistics University use emotional intelligence as a filter of racial awareness, mm. not to disrupt whiteness or white supremacy culture. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was very interesting for me. Uh, and the other variables that influenced that were uh, gender bias, emotional regulation, emotional labor, uh, authenticity within your leadership, um, the the strict uh, the strict hierarchical structure and how the military is, and the militarized masculinity complex and how yeah. uh, gender hierarchy actually affects emotional intelligence in female soldiers and mm-hmm. male soldiers who uh, per se have female tendencies. Mm. So it was a very interesting study for me to conduct. I was very, very happy with it and the end results because it allowed me to push further into my contributing to academic literature post-graduation. Mm. I'm, I'm wondering, um, like you just spoke about it, the, you know, the hyper um, super masculinity that surrounds, um, you know, just military, just uh-huh. This is, a, you know, it's just for strong people. I'm, I'm wondering where, how the, how the, maybe the whole, the whole idea of emotional intelligence and just emotions maybe in general, mm-hmm. what's that, what's the place of it inside um, a place like the military? Like, how is it like toxic masculinity in that form? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah okay. so the, the militarized masculinity complex is derived from hegemonic masculinity, which is, a, you know, historically uh, based off a, con- a culture of emphasized competitiveness, dominance, mm-hmm. physical strength through masculinity and opposes anything that is feminine. Mm-hmm. It, it uses uh, self-discipline, uh, risk-taking, aggression, violence, and the use of emotional control to dictate who is and who is not you know, considered a good leader or a good soldier, mm. you know, it could be very, very toxic, um, especially during my time oh, in, yeah. in the military. I, I see now um, that the military is making drastic changes and trying to change the culture. But mm. at the time I was in, it, it was that it was very male dominated, mm-hmm. uh, aggressive, well-disciplined, 
hierarchical structure that demanded followership. Yeah. And if you've been in any organization that even resembles the military uh, with that hierarchical structure, you understand that, you know, I have to do this as long as it's not illegal, immoral or unethical, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, yeah, it, it 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 was tough being a black woman or a black teenager at seventeen when I joined, you know, having to navigate my way through that uh, that complex or the structure that has historically been dominated by white men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and the the whole thing about just when you hear emotional intelligence, like oh emotions, it's like you're not supposed to have. A, you you think of like oh it's quote unquote that's being um girly or right, so I being guess, soft. Yeah, yeah so I guess for the listeners um can you just just talk a little bit about what emotional intelligence is emotional intelligence uh you know there's several different theories I focus on Daniel Goldman's theory and as I applied it to my research the concept of self awareness and self regulation and how that all relates to emotional labor. So self-awareness is knowing who you are and being cognizant of your emotions. And uh, self-regulation is if you're aware of those emotions, how are you going to regulate them into your uh, interpersonal relationships? Now, how I came to gather my research questions was because the military or the army itself emphasizes emotional labor. uh, And they tell you without unspoken, you know, uh, organizational culture and subcultures Mm -hmm. that you're not supposed to cry. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to show anger. You're not supposed to do X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. where you're overly expressing your emotions, but it's kind of difficult to do that when during my time, we're going back and forth between Iraq and back home, yeah, home to Afghanistan. So you want me to be this ultimate fighting machine (laughs) and then come home and not cry, not cry, you know, and deal with the effects of war. Mm-hmm. And most veterans will tell you that they do suffer from some form of PTSD, which also affects your emotional tel- intelligence, you know. So being told that you have to hold in your emotions and deal with it on your own time. But at the same time, we don't want to hear you complain about it or you can't go to the doctor because now you're out of the fight. Yeah. Creates this whole environment of toxicity mm-hmm. <laughs> of mental health and is destructive to the organization as a whole. Uh, but yeah, you know, I was very self-aware of myself. I think for me, because I was able to, I, I was able to put myself in better better positions because I didn't, I didn't start a family while I was in the army, you know, which is a variable that can, you know, add a lot of, you know, you know, issues. And Mm -hmm. I just essentially stayed by myself, kept my head down, did the work and pushed through, you know, but uh, yeah, the the emotional labor that a lot of uh, veterans and active duty service members, uh, reservists endure is because of culture that tells us we have to be, a certain way all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes deep. Yes, it, it does. <laughs> it's deep. Cool. So um, you said you finished your PhD. When would, when did you finish your dissertation? When I you? successfully defended uh, uh, 14 July, 2020. So last year, less cool. than a year ago. Dope. So 
2020, that was a year. <laughs> so what has, uh, so what has life been like since you defended your dissertation? What is your typical day like um, now that you are, you are here on the other side of, you know, the, what some might say the mundane task of uh, writing and defending your dissertation? Yeah. Well, I, I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am writing. I have. Uh, well, first, I decided to start uh, my business. So I spent a lot of times building the framework and the found the groundwork for that. And I'm focusing now on gathering government contracts. But other than that, I have. I've been contributing to academic literature post dissertation. I wrote two articles um, for the Vermont Connection. Put them in boots. It was uh, one of the articles. It discusses anti-blackness in military higher education at the United States Military Academy, West Point, and the Surface Act, which is an uh, extension of my dissertation, and it involves or discusses exercising emotional intelligence as a filter of racial awareness as a means of survival at PWIs. So I took that work from the Army Logistics University and. Uh, put it toward uh, a PWI and was able to come up with a great article in that aspect. Um, currently right now, I am working on another article for the Journal of Veteran Studies, Racism and Patriotism, Distinction Without Difference. Um, I have a book deal that I'm working, uh, that I've been approved for. Uh, and it's again, a phenomenological experience of my uh, lived experiences and how essentially being in the military, I became a gatekeeper to white supremacy mm. you know, based off of the rules and regulations that were, that guide the army and, you know, didn't even realize what I was doing at the time. But uh, postdoctoral studies, I realized, and through my studies, I now realize that these institutions uh, that were founded in exclusion and oppression never tore down the, you know, the, these walls of oppression and we're just enacting what was already in place because they inserted a few, you know, regulations or rules that says, okay, well now you can come in, but it's still a place where violence can be enacted mm -hmm. uh, on me and, you know, people that that space was never created for. Um, I do speaking engagements. I recently did a speaking engagement at FIU uh, talking oh, about no. intersectionality I did a speaking engagement at UNC Charlotte, uh, uh, same topic, intersectionality. And I did a podcast for veterans and academics. I did a news story for WKTV, uh, Utica News Channel 2 from my hometown with a couple other doctors that I graduated high school with and who are, have all crossed the threshold in, you know, into their uh, postdoctoral life as mm -hmm. well. But I, I am busy. I am you live, you live, It sounds like you live in the dream. <laughs> I, but I tell you what, I make sure, even though I'm not in the Army anymore, I still make sure that I get up and do at least a workout four <laughs> times a week. Because without my workout, the juices are just are not flowing in my brain. Like I cannot function <laughs> without at least 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah. I guess that's a habit you probably will never snap out of is, you know, staying, you know, fit. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I gotta stay fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to. I'm, yeah, I need to get more fit. <laughs> cool. Um, all right, so the moment that uh, we always that I always wait for in these in these episodes is the tips. So um, please share. Uh, you, I I always say you know at least 
at least three. I mm -hmm. put in our, you know, thing five. But if you have more than five tips, totally fine. Um, so please share uh, tips that, you know, students who are, you know, looking to, you know, be successful in this journey um, might need to, you know, take, pay attention to um, um, in pursuing and, you know, hopefully defending their dissertation. Um, and if, if you need to, you know, you can uh, share a story that paints a little bit more context or color to uh, the tip that you're, you're, you're giving. Absolutely. So my first tip would be that the path to PhD completion or EDD, whatever it is that you're doing is it's not linear. You know, we, I found you in the finished group and I see a lot of the comments of how long did it take you to finish and yeah. what's the fastest I can complete this. And I think that is the, the, the wrong approach to take when you're pursuing a, a doctorate, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because your program is different from mine. So with that, don't look at it as though I have to be done by this point because it can be stressful. And it can be very demanding. And at this point that where we are in, you know, the world post COVID stress was a, a big indicator. You know, I was, yeah. uh, I was uh, finishing at the end of COVID. I was preparing my dissertation. As a matter of fact, I defended my dissertation with COVID, mm. you know, I, I was just like, I'm not going to make it through this. And I was stressing myself out. So my tip would be that self care during your doctoral journey is very, very important. It's okay to want to take a break. It's okay to worry about your mental health. It's okay to put yourself first during your doctoral journey. Um, and most importantly, I think the most that you can do is try to have fun with it. And, and I say that, and I, and it's easy for me to say that because I was retired when I started my journey. So I wasn't working full time. Um, I don't have any children. I had nobody else to care for. My husband was in El Paso working for a year. So it was just me in the house with my mm -hmm. dog. And I was able to concentrate and focus on my coursework and my dissertation. And that is it. Mm -hmm. But I still had some difficulties, but it was still easier for me because I took the time to care for myself and take breaks and not look at it and regroup. So that would that would be a tip for my first tip is take care of yourself, your your mental capacity, because you mm -hmm. won't get through it or you'll struggle to get through it if that is not number one. Nope. Uh, my second tip is try to get a support group. Uh, like I said, I did mine by myself and I have no you know in, problem with me doing it by myself because I spent all of my life again, in the military and being a leader and having all of these subordinates that I had to take care of and take mm -hmm. care of all of their problems yeah. is one of the reasons why I went to NCU uh, because they do have the one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, uh, program. But at the same time, I have no cohort. So I have nobody in my field of study that I could actually connect to. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the uh, the only thing that I, I did not like about NCU, but I liked about NCU. But a support group will help you with the, the self-care. Uh, it'll help you with saving mental space because you have this group of people around you all the time who can know where you're coming from and understand the pressure that you're under without being judgmental about it. And not saying things like just do it. 
Like I, I told a friend that I was doing my dissertation. They're like, you're still doing that? I'm like, no, like what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you know? So a support group I think is very important. Um, this is a tip that I got from my chair uh, when I first, uh, well, not my chair. Uh, I didn't know he was going to be my chair at the beginning, but it was just like, start thinking about your dissertation at the beginning of your coursework mm-hmm. and start creating a literature bank. Uh, that follows your field of study or topics that you're interested in. So you won't have to rush and do it when it comes time to that literature review at the end. And it gives you a lot more time to decipher and dis- distinguish in the things that you are really, really interested in. So that literature bank is very, very important. Mm-hmm. I my, big, my bibliographies were on point. I would find an article and put it in my literature bank. I didn't, at first I wasn't using the, the storage place. I can't even think of what they're called. Uh, where you can keep your references. Oh, yeah, like Zotero. And, yeah, I, yeah. at first, was not using them. I was like, no, I need to do this myself. Ooh. Word document. But then that got very overwhelming. Yeah. Right, which brings me to my next tip. Practice your organizational skills yeah. in time management. Mm-hmm. If you are unorganized, you will not be, you're not going to be successful. Uh, and it's going to be very, well, not saying that you can't be successful. You're, your route to finishing is going to be very difficult if your literature isn't organized, mm-hmm. if your thoughts aren't organized, if you don't know how to manage your time. For me, I dictated two hours, four days a week for my writing. And that is it. And I never wrote on Monday because you know you know how everybody feels about Monday. It's yeah. like, oh, I got to go to work. I got to do this. <laughs> never wrote on Monday. Always started either on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. But that's how, and even when... I had some downtime and I was just kind of bored or whatever. I would still go over uh, my literature, still look for articles and make sure everything was where it was supposed to be in my folders, had everything, uh, you know, backed up and saved. And I'll I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, again, for my committee, a good dissertation is a done dissertation. Mm -hmm. That's do you want to graduate is what they ask <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to put in the most difficult work right now i was like well i want it to be good you know i was maybe thinking of dissertation of the year they were like okay <laughs> that's fine and dandy <laughs> you know but you can if you graduate you can start your real work mm. as a scholar with your credentials And I was like, yeah, good point. Good, good point. Because when I did my prospectus with NCU before I even did my proposal to even see if I could write the proposal, I had a totally different topic. Mm. When I did my prospectus, completely changed my topic when I got to my proposal. And my chair was just like, what are you doing? I was like, you know what? I want a a done dissertation. I I want it to be done because everything that I needed to go through to get approval to talk to uh, active duty service members was I needed approval from the Department of Defense. Oh, man. I needed approval from Department of the Army. I needed approval from the Army Logistics University. At the time, Fort Lee, uh, where where it is is stationed, it was closed because of COVID. So there were no people coming into Fort Lee because they had stopped movement. So I was like, you know, I... I don't have time for this. Like, I don't want to wait a year mm-hmm. to start. So I chose a done dissertation <laughs> <laughs> and I graduated. Um, 
I, I it it doesn't need to be perfect. If you want it to be perfect, by all means, but it doesn't need to be perfect. Uh, I look back at my dissertation now. Sometimes I, I, I read it, you know, the publication that uh, ProQuest sends you when you graduate. Because um, there was a, required, a requirement of ours when we graduated from NCU. It's like, I'm like, all these mistakes in here? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it is definitely not my best work, but I'm still happy with it because it was my first experiment. Mm-hmm. And it's something I did on my own. And I feel like I got great information and data uh, collection out of it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Um, Congrats. But, but the, and then the last thing, always back up your work. I, <laughs> I had a Mac and I had it for a couple years and all of a sudden I needed to update my Mac, oh, but no. the update was too big. Oh no. So I'm going through and I'm deleting and deleting and I accidentally deleted my entire folder no. from my iCloud. No. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Dag. If I if NCU didn't have everything saved to their server, I would have been in trouble. Wow. So always have multiple sources where your work is saved. Mm. And, and keep your coursework don't delete it once you're done because you never yeah. know what it's going to come in handy mm-hmm. but yeah that's that those are my tips that's what i got <laughs> dope yeah yeah i i learned the hard way um i the first time i ever used microsoft word in like five years <laughs> i've been just using google docs mm-hmm. like I, I just published a book um <laughs> about pod about you know how to start a podcast and like halfway through um well not halfway through I was like 75% of the way through and you know I wrote about 25 more percent and I saved I think I, I thought I saved it on Microsoft Word closed my computer came back it was gone yeah <laughs> so the worst yeah, feeling <laughs> the worst feeling I was like forget this thing I just <laughs> I lost the manuscript. I was like, oh, well, oh, I contacted that uh, editor. Look, I'm going to have to withdraw. <laughs> I'm not starting over. Yeah, it's like, I'm not, do- <laughs> I'm not doing this. Yeah, back up your stuff. That's facts. <laughs> cool, dope. Yeah, so let people know um, where to, where uh, people can find you um, or if you want them to find you on the socials. Um, and also, when we get off, you can share me the links to your um, your articles and your uh, scholarly oh, works so I can put in the podcast notes. Okay, so, well, I'm new to Twitter, so I'm trying to get into that because uh, I didn't know about academic Twitter to, like, six months ago. Mm. And I'm just like, okay. But they can find me there at Dr. Khadija Boyd, D-R-K-H-A-D-I-J-A-B-O-Y-D. And it'll just be like PhD, U.S. Army retired. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Kilo Bravo, D-R-K-I-L-O-B-R-A-V-O. And, you know, it's the milita- military side of me coming out. <laughs> um, yeah, I can be found there. And I will link you my articles. And if you want, I will send you the, once my next article uh, comes out and you want to link it, I can send it to you because that's supposed to publish in July. Oh, okay, cool. That's yeah, cool. I can, yeah, I could, uh, I'll, I'll put, I'll put that in um, when, it, when I get, when I get Absolutely. it. Absolutely, but yeah. Cool. Dope. Thanks for coming. Um, This was a pleasure and, you know, I'm happy to meet you.
Thank you, Cliff. I appreciate it again. Thank you very much for having me. It's truly my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. Check back sometime soon for more PhD tips. Until next time, peace.